It's Monday afternoon, it's December 5th, and apparently there are winter meetings going on, so it must be winter somewhere. But not here, not in South Florida, Scott. No. We're very lucky. They, they probably should have had the winter meetings down here, yes. actually. I think it would have been better for everybody involved. Right, they should, absolutely. But the winter meeting's taking place, which means there's going to be a lot of movement, and we already have Jose Reyes on the move to the Marlins, six years $106 million. Here's what we're doing today. We're going to do a shorter show today than we usually do because we'll have two this week. When Al Melchior is back, we'll do another one. But today it's just me and Scott White. So we'll also read some emails. Fantasy, what is it? No, it's uh, we didn't change the email address for that yet. So it's dmfantasybaseball at cbs.com, right? That's right. You know, the fantasy football email address changed and I just get them all confused. DM, D is in Dave, M is in Magadan, fantasybaseball at cbs.com. Put podcasts in the subject line. We'll try to read your question on the air. Uh, let's talk about Reyes, and we'll go through all the uh, some of the recent transactions here. Some guys going to new teams, some guys staying put. But Reyes, for six years, what's his value now? What do you think with the Marlins? I don't feel like his value specifically changes that much. Um that there's kind of an interesting ripple effect with the rest of the Marlins lineup. But, you know, particularly if, if uh, the Marlins continue with these additions, you know, he's already got Mike Stanton hitting behind him. They're, they're still rumored to be going to be hot and heavy after Pujols right now. And uh, obviously that would just add more beef behind him and, and potentially make him a run scoring machine. But, the the biggest thing when you're talking about Reyes, as always, is the injuries and his hamstring. And, you know, he was on the DL twice just this past year, and it's hard to imagine that going away, particularly now that he's gotten his payday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is a risky contract, wouldn't you say? Giving this guy six years and $106 million when reports say that other teams weren't even willing to go more than, like, what, $70 million or somewhere around there. But, uh, you know, just for this season. Well, yeah, well, you know, give me your thoughts on the contract. Give me your thoughts on the Reyes contract. Break it down, GM Scott White. I think it's too much for what he is. I'm shocked he got six years because he's already 28, and shortstops usually aren't that great after maybe age 31, 32. Um, and I feel like it was way too much money for a guy who you know is probably going to miss 30 to 40 games most of those years. Uh, but a team like a Mar- the Marlins looking to make a splash, kind of like the Nationals did last off season, that they kind of have to overpay to get to get the talent. Hanley's going to go to third. What yeah, that, that that's what that's what they're saying. Hanley uh, has yet to confirm that himself. So there, there's still some. People speculating about whether or not Hanley's going to get traded. Trade, they should trade the heck out of him. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen because they've always been adamant about how much they love Hanley and, and blah, blah, blah. So Hanley moving to third base is obviously going to be a terrible thing for his fantasy value going forward. Not going to be an issue in 2012 because he's already eligible there. Uh, but being shortstop eligible is what made him... Uh, number one or number two overall pick in fantasy all these years and particularly now if if, uh, he can't quite get back to that five category standard he once had I'm I think it's possible he might never be a first round pick again well the Marlins not only do they sign Jose Reyes they sign Heath Bell three years and oh you know before we go on to Heath Bell the, the one peripheral player 
affected by this Reyes move that I really want to talk about because he's he's one of my favorite middle round sleepers this week. Emilio Bonifacio. Bonifacio, uh-huh. exactly. Obviously, uh, third base is out if if the plan with Hanley to move there goes through. Bonifacio could still play center, but it bugs me that here here the Marlins had what looked like an ideal leadoff hitter, and Bonifacio hit. 320 with 35 steals over his final 82 games last season. That's like half a season. So he, he really looked like he was going to be one of the top hitters, leadoff hitters in the National League. Obviously, he's not going to be a leadoff hitter at all with Reyes there. Um, if it drops him to second, okay. If it drops him to seventh or eighth in the lineup, uh, that could really hurt his value. And then if, if, if the Marlins go out and get an outfielder, which is still rumored, then Bonifacio might be out of the picture altogether. So uh, that's, that's I think, more than any other player. That's that's the thing. Well, except for maybe the Hanley move to third base. Right. That's the biggest aspect of this for fantasy owners. So Heath Bell, three years, $27 million with the Marlins. Value up or down or stays the same? I guess stays the same. I mean, it's hard to complain about what he did with the Padres. They played a lot of low-scoring games, which helped him get so many save opportunities. So... Uh, maybe down. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Yeah, not uh, not enough to really change his draft value though. Just I I could see him uh, if if the Marlins become a high scoring team with all these signings, I could see the the opportunities being fewer and farther between. Jamie Carroll to the Twins for two years, seven million. It's interesting uh, because he's never been an everyday player anymore. Had a good on base percentage last year, uh, but obviously no pop. It's it's really more of a, a an issue for AL only owners than than mixed league owners uh, because his value is going to be minimal. Cubs signed David De Jesus for two years, ten million dollars. So Mr. De Jesus is now a Cubs outfielder. Yeah, and it's another example of these sabermetric GMs for some reason really like David De Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand it because I don't see him as an on base type, not certainly not a power type. Uh, coming off a terrible year in Oakland, uh, but I've heard that a wrist injury had a lot to do with that. So we could see him getting back to being maybe a 290-300 hitter. Uh, but to me, that's a left-handed version of Marlon Bird and, and still just a low-end outfielder in most fantasy leagues. Now, Scott doesn't think we talked about Grady Sizemore last show. I don't really have no recollection at all. I can't remember two weeks ago. Too much football in between yeah, for Adam Azer. Yeah, it's just way too much. But he is back with the Indians for $5 million on a one-year contract. Would you take a flyer on him in a standard mixed league? I guess. Uh, but my stance with Sizemore is, is kind of the same as going into last year. He's not a base stealer anymore. He was never a good source of batting average so basically you're just hoping he comes through and hits 30 homers and i'm not sure he's going to be able to get the playing time for that not happening uh how about the rays trade they trade john jaso to the mariners for um an interesting pitcher josh luke is it lukey luke uh we need we need need al and his uh, pronunciation guide here he's got his little book i i feel like it's lukey but i don't know if that's just how I heard it in my head when I read it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, the uh, Mariners get Jaso to be their catcher, and I guess he's got a little life in his bat. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, the on-base percentage is what made him so good a year ago, and, and that uh, that really disappeared last year. It's hard to imagine him getting better going to Safeco Field, uh, not 
that uh, Tampa Bay is a great place to hit necessarily, but I don't see this having much of an impact on his fantasy value. Joe Nathan, two years, $14.5 million with the Texas Rangers. Some teams have money and they want to spend it. This one was a little puzzling. I don't know. Puzzling. Well, I think it's interesting that it's almost like fantasy where where you say with fantasy don't overspend on closers and then sometimes people are like, why did I overspend on closers? (laughs) And then in baseball here, you hear it all the time that relievers are very replaceable. But every year, relievers get big contracts. And now Heath Bell, huge contract. Well, And Nathan... Big contract. It was Nathan's was two years, fourteen million. I mean, the one less year there than Bell. Oh yeah, it's not as big lot. as Bell. I think the main issue here is Ron Washington didn't feel comfortable with moving Neftali Feliz into the rotation unless he got a proven closer. That's what he said going into last year, and this was the Rangers' way of making that. Uh, finally a viable option for them. He has the proven closer now, so he can't really balk at this idea. Is he idea. a proven closer? Joe Nathan? Still. Like, look, go, before, the, the, before the injury, yes. Is he still a proven closer? I think most of what I've read from by scouts and, and everything else seemed to think he was pretty much back in form by the second half last year. His velocity was mostly back... Uh, he he did change his repertoire some somewhat, so there there is still some concern there. But again, like I say, I feel like this was more to appease Ron Washington than anything else. So well, the, the front office can say, "There's your closer." Once they have Feliz in the rotation where they wanted him all along, uh, then they're not going to go back on that. And and then if if Nathan doesn't work out, then they'll cross that bridge when they come to it. Honestly, if Joe Nathan is back. Two years at fourteen and a half million is not overpaying for him, Would you particularly agree? for a team like the Rangers, yeah, who have yeah. plenty of money. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd, I worry about the Bell signing more for the Marlins than I worry about Nathan yeah, for the Bell's Rangers. Bell's old. Yeah, he is, and his strikeout rate dropped last year, and, and he's better at, at home in Petco, not home anymore. Um, now the Marlins are gonna have a big ballpark, but that's a risky one right there. All right, well, we got plenty of time to sort it out. Jonathan Broxton, one-year, $4 million deal with the Royals. That. and Yeah, that's weird. And they re-signed Bruce Chen for two years and $9 million. It's like, what are they, the Marlins all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. That, that Broxton one is interesting, though. Obviously, he has the experience of a closer. They don't intend to use him in that role, they say. Uh, but with talk of them moving Joaquin Soria to the rotation in the past, and now there's reports that they might explore shopping him for, for a legitimate starting pitcher. Uh, I could see Broxton ending up in that role before the season starts, so definitely something to monitor. Yeah, and what about Chen? Chen is a what contract Chen is. They're going to regret that deal. <laughs> it Was it two years for him also? Nine million. One year for Broxton, yeah. two for yeah. Chen. Br- Chen... You know, it seems like anytime he does well, it seems like he's performing over his head. And and last year it was like that for the whole length of the season, pretty much. So, um, you know, we have a contingent of fantasy writers in our group who are are big Bruce Chen fans. Um, I think because they think it's funny, (laughs) (laughs) but they always try and draft him in the last round of the draft. And I'm like, no, you can't. He's not in the top 300. He's not getting in the top 300 anytime soon. So, just ignore him. How do you feel about Neftali Feliz as a starter, by the way? Uh, I think I think the potential makes him definitely uh, somebody worth looking into. I, I think 
somebody who was groomed to be a starter all along and, and was a highly rated prospect as a starter, I think he's eventually going to be a very good one. There's durability issues because of his size, and uh, there might be kind of a rough adjustment at first, but seeing the way C.J. Wilson moved back to the rotation and how much success he had with that right away, I would feel pretty good about Feliz. Um, I would probably uh, draft him maybe even a little before like Alexi Ogando or Derek Holland or some of the other young arms the Rangers have in their rotation. We have some emails at dmfantasybaseball at cbs.com, and then we have this question that you got from your sliders column. I'm Which I haven't written since September, I don't think. Oh, well, then this will be the first time you answer it. Yeah. I'm in a 10-team keeper league, and we have four keepers per year. What do you think of Ian Kennedy as a keeper under these circumstances? I think uh, that's probably not your best choice. And I like Kennedy a lot. I think he's a borderline number one going into next season. I think he's legit, all of that. But just from the two mock drafts we've had so far, I got Kennedy in the fifth round in the head-to-head. And I think I also drafted him. And I think it was more like the sixth or seventh round in the Roto League. And those were 12-team leagues. So fourth round is what you're looking at for a fourth keeper in a 10-team league. And the value just doesn't seem right. Two more questions. Eric T. in Toronto. Uh, We know the prime age of a baseball fantasy player is 27 to 28 years old. Not just a fantasy player, but... um, Everybody. We're right there. Yeah. You and me, buddy. (laughs) What is... uh, Yeah, 27 years old here. What is generally the age that players start declining? I think... uh, I think the general range would be starting about 32 or 33, but it depends kind of on the position, too, uh, because shortstops, middle infielders in general, they tend to decline sooner, um, as we saw from Edgar Renteria and Miguel Tejada. Uh, And then catchers, I think, too, um, tend to decline a little sooner, which is why, as they get older, you start seeing them move to other positions. Uh, So, yeah, is that the whole question? Um. Yeah, well, what the other question is, which notable players do you expect to decline for 2012 fantasy-wise? Is Roy Halladay a possibility? He's a possibility because he's mid-30s, and any time you get to that age, uh, there, there's the potential for that. But he strikes me as someone who's going to decline just a little bit each year for a while and not somebody who's going to suddenly drop off the map. I mean, he, he had a career high in strikeout rate. I don't think strikeouts, but I think strikeout rate. <laughs> Uh, so it doesn't look like he's on the verge of falling off anytime soon. Is there anyone you can think of? I mean, I think Jimmy Rollins is getting to that point. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I, he's already he's, been on that yeah. point. And he's I a good example say. of a middle infielder who, yeah, he's, what, 32. He started declining. Yeah, he's he's still on the early in the early 30s. Yeah, somewhere so around there. He's there. Uh, Chase Utley's there. We talked about him last year. I feel like there's actually a lot of. Uh, early round hitters who I'm not at all interested in drafting because of they're right in that, that age when I, I or and I've already shown signs even of falling off, which is why if you go look at my head to head draft, you'll notice I took a lot more pitchers early than I normally do. And that's not a philosophical change. It's just because I'm a lot more excited about some of the middle round hitters like Eric Hosmer and Dustin Ackley and, and Desmond Jennings than I am about players like Kevin Euclid, Alex Rodriguez, obviously. Yeah, A-Rod, um, and I think even Pujols would maybe have to well, scare you a little. 
Yeah, I mean, if I still had a top three well, pick, yeah. Pujols is going to be but again, going off the board. Top but three, yeah, but not necessarily top one, as we talked about in previous shows. Right. He's, there, there's some argument there. Uh, I think it's between him and ba- Jose Bautista now for the number one spot. I, I think uh, I, I go back and forth on it, but Pujols, for what it's worth, did go first overall in both of our mock drafts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a few more names of those early-round players, Adrian Beltre is getting up there in age. Um, well, that's just one player, isn't it? Yeah, but he has two but, names. He's you know, the first between, and the last name. <laughs> between Euclid, <laughs> A-Rod, Utley. Um, I, think that, I think you've satisfied yeah. our listener. Good yeah. job. And Gretchen. So Gretchen has been listening to us for two years now and doesn't play fantasy baseball. She just enjoys the show. And she asks, when one plays in an NL-only league, do you ever care about how well the pitcher might hit? Or is how he pitches the only thing you care about? I was kind of wondering earlier in the season, but since I don't actually play, I figured I could wait till the <laughs> offseason to ask. It's time to start playing, Gretchen. Yeah, seriously. Get involved if, if you're, here. If you're, if you're picking up all this information, you might as well put it to good use. You can hustle people, you know? It's like going to a pool hall and pretending you've never played before, and then you put like 100 bucks on a game and you win. You could do that here. Totally. That, that's a good plan. Yeah. Um, but no, you don't care about how a pitcher hits. Not you at really all. You care about how they pitch. And you don't want to care. Because with the exception of, you know, Carlos Zambrano, Giovanni Gallardo, CC Sabathia on the rare occasion he gets to hit, not many good hitting pitchers out there. Oh, good old Dontrell Willis doesn't really do it anymore, does he? <laughs> yeah, that's bed. another good example of a pitcher who hits. Yeah, that's it for today. I knew this would be a short one. Sorry about that, but we'll have another one later this week when Al Melchior is back. You know, Melchior, he must be so fired up right now. This is like... Christmas every day for the for the Miami Marlins. He's so fired up he couldn't stand to yeah. be in the office. He had to be at home mm-hmm. watching the ticker. As soon as they announced Jose Reyes was signed with the Marlins, he took off from work and he bought a jersey and he went to the stadium and he tried to greet him. You know, he was one of no, I'm just kidding. He didn't do it. <laughs> but he probably wanted to. So we'll we'll hear from Al eventually. Very excited, Al Melchior. And thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you later this week.